At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, we welcome you in. It is the Lombardi line here on Visa and D Sports Betty Network. Hope you had a nice weekend as we close out week 17 tonight. Two and a half, three with the Steelers laying it. Now that number's flipped. 43 and a half on the total. We'll get Michael's official play towards the end of the show. I do want to get to the Cardinals beating the Cowboys 25-22. Yeah. I know, just quickly, because Matt and I were discussing this, we got to get your take. I know you spoke about this earlier today on the network, but that is Antonio Brown. Maybe if we've heard something new since then, he's no longer a buck. Your initial reaction as he was walking off the field and then as dust settled, what, what's your take on him? You know, for me, it seemed like somebody screaming for help. Yeah. You know, uh, I, it, to me was somebody who's not in control of his emotions, who really needs help. And, uh, you know, it's sad. It really is. It, you know, and, and I think ultimately the the relationship between him and Arians was never on solid ground and Arians claims that he didn't know anything about the injury and all that afterwards but there was dialogue between the player and and an assistant whether it was Arians or not that you know the player went into the game not healthy and it was didn't practice Thursday or Wednesday Thursday or Friday and it was really debatable that he was going to play I didn't think he would play and when they saw him catch it out for 18 yards I'm like I didn't think he was going to play today cuz I knew he was hurt and he did. And then when he came to the sideline, he said he didn't feel well. And they said, well, you got to get out there. You got to play. Mm. Well, you know, as, as it's hard when you, you don't tell players when they're when they tell you they're hurt to go play, you know, you, you know, then go see the trainer. You know, that should be your answer. Go see the trainer now. Let him look at you. And, you know, look, it, it, and then his behavior after that, to me, screamed for I need help. And it continues to. And I think unless he gets somebody that's going to sponsor him, Somebody's significant, you know, like a Jerry Jones or even an Andy Reid who carries a lot of cachet and can run an organization. You know, his playing days in the National Football League are over. I thought the I thought uh, Brady was measured and uh, well thought out as opposed to, you know, he's just getting attacked, obviously, on social. This is a very odd time for somebody like that that may emotionally not be completely there um, to have all this information and be inundated. Brady was very... You know, he just said essentially you've got to have empathy for him because he's going through it right now. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes we, we just look at the behavior or we don't look at the person. And there's more to it than what we know. And we know with Antonio Brown there is way more. And we know yes. that there has been these times where he has not been, you know, really as people want him to be towing the line. And he's lost himself. 
And there's been times, at least over the last two years in Tampa, up until this episode, he's been pretty well behaved. You know, obviously the vaccine card was 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 not well behaved, but in terms of on the field and without having the outburst. So it is. And, and to me, uh, you know, someone texted me today about basically I think he's screaming for help. I agree with his behavior. You know, if he just walks off the field after that and, you know, and, and they cut him, you know, he can say his side of the story. He can't. But there are bigger issues than playing and not playing here. I think that's pretty clear. It's sad personally and professionally because and we stick to the professional stuff here. But professionally, one of the great talents of all time at the position, a five year yeah. run that you could compare to any five year. I mean, outside of Jerry Rice, but a five year run where he was prolific. Prolific. And, you know, he still had some juice left in him. Absolutely. You know, and 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 until he takes care of his situation it's going to be really a challenge and we wish him well i mean it's easy to make fun of him for the behavior but the behavior is telling you something if you just pay close attention the cardinals got off the schneid michael yesterday in dallas a 25 22 win kind of felt like dallas might sneak one in their back door as far as a win but they end up losing they close six the cardinals obviously a cover and a straight-up winner as a dog. 53 was the total. The So this was interesting. So they snapped the three-game losing streak, and I'll get into the playoff implications. But just overall, we'll start with the Cardinals. What was your takeaway? I thought they thought the quarterback actually looked like himself from the past. Yeah. You know, he ran the ball, not explosively, but his movement in the pocket was really good. And especially on the last drive of the game where he made a play, he made plays with his feet. And I thought that was really good. And he was more accurate with the football. He only had 12 incompletions in the game. And I thought he took his game up a level. And I think Edmonds really helped them. Even though he only averaged 2.9 yards a carry, I thought Edmonds helped. And it gave him some versatility. And look, let's face it, this Wesley kid, even though he's not an explosive down-the-field receiver, he averaged 7.5 yards a catch. He can catch the ball in traffic, which he needs. You know, Murray will give him a chance. And that's what Hopkins does, too. Hopkins doesn't make explosive plays. He makes big plays, like a little bit like Chase. I mean, other than the zone play where he caught the ball and outran everybody the end zone, Chase was covered on almost every play. He just He's better at you when the ball's in the air significantly better than you when the ball's in the air. Mm-hmm. Now, Wesley's not like that, but he's better than these other guys when the ball was in the air, and that made a huge difference. And I didn't think the Cowboys really had a, a understanding of how they wanted to play the game and attack the game. And I think it cost them. They, they spent too much time kind of trying to get themselves comfortable, and they talked about not having a rhythm. And I think when you get 10 penalties called against you, you have the sense of that rhythm be, really becoming problematic for you. And, and, you know, and, that, and that's, what, that's what happens. I mean, they just never got a chance. When you got a Scott Novak game, you know, and you start the second half, you end the first half with a touchdown, you start the second half with two three and outs. And don't gain and gain one yard in those three, six plays. You're going to lose games. So what's interesting here, so they're sitting four Cowboys, five Arizona in the NFC. These two teams, most likely, they're going to play each other. And so next week really comes down to who's going to be at home, right? The Cowboys are at the Eagles. They're sitting 11-5. and five. The Cards, who are sitting five seed right now, they host the Seahawks. And so essentially, I guess the Cardinals still have a 20-25% chance to win the division, right? Because the Rams are hosting the 49ers. They lose there, and Arizona wins, so they could flip. You know, but I don't – how does – if they tie – who wins the tiebreaker between the Rams and the Cardinals? The Cardinals win the tiebreak. Let me make – let me – I'm almost positive the Cardinals win the tiebreak, but let me check on that for you really quickly. 
Um, because that, to me, is really going to determine the Rams' motivation. You right. know, because I think when we see this is, is if the Rams win the tiebreaker, which I don't think they do, then I think they have to play this game. But then they didn't put this game on Thursday night, which then, you know, would have, if the Rams would have, would have made the Arizona game meaningless. And they probably didn't want to have a meaningless game on Sunday with the Arizona. They wanted to play them at the same time in scoreboard watch, which is what the league likes and which we all like. Yeah, I'm just checking. I'm almost positive Arizona has that tie break, but I can get to it. It's interesting with Arizona, you know, they haven't been good at home. <laughs> you know, the stat that was flying yesterday, Jerry World there, it, whether it comes back to high school or college, Kyler Murray was like 8-9-0, and oh, Michael. So uh, right. he's had success but there. But they can. I just, read it, I just read it here. The Rams can, will only – the Cardinals will only be the AFC West champions if they beat the Seahawks and the Rams, and the lose. Rams lose. Yep, that's, that's, that, that's, that was so that's, my assumption. So the – okay, so we're going to have a matchup between the, the Cowboys and the Cardinals in the first round. That's really what it comes down to. And the only difference would be – my would be the flip of home field. If the Cowboys who close out right now, they close out at Eagles. They're sitting 11 and five, Arizona 11 and five. Although the Cowboys have, a, they're what? Nine and one in conference. No, now nine and two in conference. So it, 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 they're going to play each other. And it looks like it's going to be in Dallas. That's my, that's, that's where it is yeah. right now. I mean, it's so confusing. I mean, like, think about the 49ers, the 49ers and saints. They're battling for that last playoff spot right now. If the right, I mean, and the Saints, the Saints have everything to play for. I mean, because there's no guarantee the Ram, the 49ers can beat the Rams. But I'll say this: if you've watched the Rams the last two weeks on the road, Matthew Stafford has not looked good. I mean, he has not looked good. John Harbaugh lost that game. I mean, at the end of the first half, in the middle eight, really is where the where the Ravens lost that game. They turn that ball over and give a free touchdown up to the to the to the to to the Rams at the end of the half. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're up 10 to nothing. You get the ball with under two minutes to go in the half, and you have it at your own 14-yard line. Like, who are we kidding? We're not an explosive offense. We have a backup quarterback. We got backup offensive linemen. We start running the ball. They start using their timeouts. Let's at least make them use all their timeouts, and we have a hell of a punter. We'll punt them back, and, and maybe they score three on a long kick. But – but, but they're not going to score a touchdown. And to me, that was the essence of the game right there. And nobody talks about it because it's not, it's not universally discussed the middle eight. But that's really what lost the game for Baltimore. You give up those points at the end of the half, it costs you. It always comes back. You know, Minnesota kicking that field goal last night at the end of the half. How do they do that? You know, the Chargers gave up a long field goal at the end of the half. How do they do that? You, you have to try to guard against that. It just keeps the team motivated. And, and frankly, I think Baltimore made a huge error in judgment. I mean, know who you are. Like, don't listen to, well, you weren't aggressive at the end of the No, I'm being smart. I, got, I still have Huntley playing quarterback for me. You know, I mean, like, I'm, not a, I'm not an explosive. If I have Tom Brady who protects the ball or Aaron Rodgers, yeah, I'm going to do some things. But watch any good team. They wait till they get across midfield before they get aggressive. And to your point about the Saints, the Saints are alive here because this, they avoided playoff elimination by beating the Panthers, and they can clinch a playoff berth with a win at the Falcons. Falcons are out, combined with a loss by the 49ers at the Rams, and the Rams have, some, they have everything to play for. So they, the, the Saints are very much live. No, no doubt, and the, Rams, and the Rams are no gimme putt here. Now, I know they'll play well and they'll do all that against the – but they have trouble beating the 49ers. And look, I mean, the last two weeks, we, the Rams have turned the ball over six times on the road. 
They turn over six times. I mean, Matthew Stafford has not looked. He's he's looked slightly better than Jared Goff. If you want to be fair, if you really want to be fair about it, he looks slightly better than Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they barely beat Seattle. That was a 20 to 10 game on Thursday night. That was a close game the last time they played home. Yep, and the picks, he did, it was a great drive to end the game, but the picks early were a killer for the Rams. I totally agree with that. Yeah, you. I mean, I, you're not going to get away with that in a playoff game. No, absolutely not. So, again, it really comes down to Saints beat Atlanta. The Rams beat the 49ers. The Saints are in the postseason. They're in the hunt there at 8-8. Eight and eight. The 49ers sit 9-7. and seven. That's fascinating. It really, though, that... It comes down to three spots open in the postseason right now. And NFC, Saints and 49ers in the mix. When we come back, step into my office, Michael Lombardi. Next here at Lombardi Line. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, VP Podcast. If you missed any part of the Lombardi line, remember the Lombardi line available vsen.com slash podcast or wherever you find your podcast. But you can check out all the shows on the schedule. Go to vsen.com slash podcast, beating the book with Gil Alexander, Market Insights, Josh Applebaum, plus Hardwood Handicappers, JVT, Lombardi line aforementioned, follow the money, coast to coast and more. Podcasts are killing it. It's an awesome opportunity. We archive everything. All you have to do is go to vcin.com slash podcast. Okay, let me clarify what I messed up here. The, for the Rams, it's simple. A win or a tie wins them the division in a home playoff game this week, of course, hosting the 49ers. However, if the Rams were to lose and the Cardinals win, the NFC West title would go to Arizona. The Cardinals and Rams split the season series. The Cardinals would win the divisional tiebreaker with a 5-1 and one record over L.A.'s 3-3. Three and three. Okay, so just to be clear, it starts to get confusing. The fact that I looked up this morning or last night when the games were concluding and the Saints were still in the mix, Michael, that's where I was just like, my goodness, that the Saints, with all their troubles at quarterback this year, still in the mix to make the postseason this year. We we might get a playoff game where the Saints, uh, you know, the Saints have to play uh, the the Rams in in a playoff game, which will be fascinating. I mean, I think that would be a – people will look at that game and say the Saints have no chance. Well, Saints play really good defense. They turn the ball over with their defense. And, you know, maybe if they don't turn it over against the Rams, they can squeeze out a win like they did against Tampa with – if Taysom Hill plays quarterback. You know, not that he plays great by no means, but, you know, yesterday he had a bunch of drops on him and they made the plays in the game that they had to win. You give Sean Payton credit. He's adopted his style to what his team is right now. 
Okay. Yep, you nailed it. So again, the Cardinals do hold the tie break because divisional record five and one over LA's three and three. Now we get to step into my office with Michael Lombardi, where he can, uh, you know, spread some knowledge and some wisdom to some that may need it. And we're going to start with Carson Wentz, who's walking yeah. into the office. He walked back to the facility after testing positive, cleared, played, did not play great. Well, I think, Carson, the biggest thing is we all know practice execution becomes game reality. And when you don't practice and you don't have those reps, you're not the same player. So it's really important as we move forward this week and then as we go into the playoffs that you really have to detail your practice. We've got to be better. Now, we got away with throwing the ball for only 49 yards against the Patriots, and we won. You know, yesterday we threw it for 140, and we lost. Now, granted, we didn't turn the ball over yesterday, but we didn't make plays that we have to make as an offense. Everybody gets caught up with Jonathan Taylor gaining 100 yards. That's a wonderful stat to look at. It's meaningless. Right, it's meaningless. If he has too many yards, if too many carries to get the hundred, it's not what we need. We need you to make the plays that are there to be made. We don't need you to be spectacular. We just need you to be the best version of who you are. Make the plays, protect the football, convert third downs that we scheme open for you. And we know this. You've learned it through having COVID and missing five days that unless you detail your practices, we can't win as a football team. What a wild year for the Colts. From the yeah, no preseason doubt. where they dealt with so much with injuries and COVID throughout the year and to find themselves tough losses, to find themselves in a situation winning you're in at Jacksonville, I'd say they would have signed up for it a few weeks ago, no? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they would have, but they were peaking. And I think this this blurp in the road really hurt them. And I mean, if you go back and watch the tape and watch the game, they had a lot of opportunity to, to make some plays. You know, yeah. they've done Frank Wright has done a really good job of controlling Wentz. This team is 27th, Patrick, in the in passing attempts, 27th. Wow. You know, so they're not trying to throw the football, not overly you know? exposing them. No, they're, they're, they're trying to be really careful with the football. They're playing to his strengths. And yet when he doesn't make plays that he has to make, I mean, they're only averaging 5.1 yards per attempt in the passing game. You know, that's all they're averaging as a team. So, you know, Wentz is at 6.9. But when you really look at it, when you look at it and adjust it out, it's not perfect. So I, I think they've done a good job of understanding that. But he's got to make the plays that are there for him. Well put. Next one up, Michael. Okay, it's come down to this. The Dolphins have officially been eliminated, so step into my office. Tua. Tua's sitting in front of you. What do you say to him? Well, I think, you know, we've had opportunities now the last two seasons. We've gone to Buffalo last year in week 17, and it was cold weather, bad weather. We, could, we didn't perform. Mm -hmm. And this year we go, to, we go to Tennessee, which is not considered a bad weather place, but it's rainy, it's slippery, the ball slips out of your hand, and we couldn't do it. I mean, we've got to get you stronger. We've got to be able to throw the ball down the field because people now have a read on you. They know you want to throw the ball short. They know the ball is going to come out of your hand quickly, and they're going to pressure you inside like Tennessee did. And they're going to sack you four times, and they're going to put the game behind you. I think you were fortunate that Coach Flores didn't bench you at halftime because I thought he was going to down 17-3 to because I think Coach Flores knew he wasn't going to win that game if he didn't make some plays in the passing game. And I think this is going to be a hard part on your career. You can have all the media behind you and tell everybody you're great and people at our network think you're a top 12 quarterback, but the reality of it is is you're going to have to step your game up. Can you step your game up? It's all on you. You know, it's all on you. The, the, the Dolphins have done a wonderful job of 
of of of making sure that your the offense fits your skill set. We have a lot of players on their offense that are yards after the catch. Do they could do a much better job of protecting it? There's no doubt. But you're going to have to make some plays down the field. You're going to have to drive the football better. I don't know if that's possible, but you're going to have to because I think this is going to be a really bad this year where you're going to have to prove yourself because I think they're going to bring another quarterback in and it's going to challenge you and you could be the quarterback they're exchanging out. I think the concern here as I as I let him step out of my office, Patrick, mm-hmm. the concern here is he's been so bad in bad weather. Mm-hmm. He's just not a bad weather player. You know, I mean, you know, when you go back up there and look at that game in Buffalo last year, he's tw- you know, it's it's a 56 to 26 game. They scored 6 points in the first quarter. You know, you know, he threw the ball 58 times in that game and, you know, and he had three interceptions. I mean, he just couldn't really play in the game. And they're going to have to, if they go with Tua, which I don't think they will, you could just see by Flores' reactions on the sideline. Uh, you know, this is the game that, that, that really typifies what we don't have. They said it last week on television to the, to the Monday night crew. They know who they are. They get behind down and distance. They can't play. Now, some of the people think that he's a top-12 quarterback. They could continue to think that. The, the, the mm. Dolphins don't think that. Mm-mm. No, not the way they use them. You're 100% right. And good callback to last year. Two opportunities, two failures. And how about, you know, you said it with Vrabel. Kind of juicy with Coach of the Year. I mean, that was a must-win for Miami. Tennessee wins again. They could potentially win the conference as far as getting the bye and the one seed. Vrabel's done a hell of a job there. Really did. I mean, you know, when you go in the game, and if I told you that that Ryan Tannehill was going to pass for 120 yards and they were going to win the game, I would say there's no chance, Mm -mm. right? But but I think what, what Vrabel does a really good job of, and I don't think people understand it, is how he plays the game to win the game. The Ram game out there, he had no offense. He just managed it correctly. They don't play outside themselves. They really don't. And when they need to double somebody, they double somebody. I mean, I don't think Chase would have had 7,000 yards had Vrabel been there going down and telling Spagnola, let's double this guy. I think he does a really good job in-game as well. Sometimes you just got to adjust the game plan out, and, and sometimes these teams are so late, and the coach is so busy looking at his play sheet that he doesn't really ever say anything. Right. But that's the distinction which you talk about of being a head coach and being a play caller. Not, not right. much success for Vrabel in his year with the Texans, but he has shown himself to be a wonderful game manager uh, with the macro picture. Next up, maybe the opposite. Mike McCarthy steps into your office. What do you say to Mike? Well, I, I, and I'm going to keep saying this to you, Mike. I think we got to practice harder. I think our execution, if our execution isn't at the highest level, we can't run this offense effectively. And we've got to do everything in our power to have better practices on Wednesday. I wasn't at practice Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. But to me, the way this execution looked in the first half, it wasn't. And I think we've got to do a better job of understanding how to adjust the game plan out during the game. You know, for us to go in the third quarter after we scored at the end of the half and only have six plays for one yard, that's inexcusable. We've got to figure out a way to come out of halftime with a better game plan. I know Kellen Moore is going to be a head coach. I know everybody can't wait to see it. But the reality of it is, is we've got to do a better job of finding what our rhythm. And I think it starts on Wednesday's practice. I don't see the execution. Now, we kid ourselves because we did it against Washington's B team, but we didn't do it against Arizona, who, who really – played the game at more desperation than we did. Are you concerned about him in-game? Of course. I'm concerned about Kellen Moore in-game, too. He just looks at his play sheet. He's playing Madden. Mm. You know, he's playing Madden over there. Everyone wants to give him a head coaching job. It's like, okay, great. 
That's what you want. You subcontract it out, you know. You've you got to make decisions. It's like Robert Salai said, well, we had a meeting and, and we just ran the wrong play. You ran the wrong play. You had a meeting. You were on the <laughs> sideline. You called timeout before you ran it. Like, how, where is your decision-making process? We haven't talked about that. Did you, what, did, what was your thought there with the Jets going for it? What do you think my thought was? <laughs> what, what, would, what would the greatest coach of all time have done there? I know. I would hey, listen. I was just walking you into it. I knew what you would have done there. That's and then he would have kicked the field goal. Of course, goal. he would have kicked the field. And then Brady turns around. You give Brady two minutes. What do you think is going to happen? Double move. You, boom. Uh, you game's know, let's over. talk about that because I think that's a point about analytics we need to discuss. Okay. Let's talk about that game coming back. Okay. We will. We'll talk about that. And then we'll introduce Josh into the show. But I want to make sure you finish up your thought on that because, you know, you give Brady that time. Little double move. Yeah. Boom. I mean, it's over. Hey, Jets, bright side, higher draft pick. We come back, Lombardi line. You're listening to the Lombardi line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, I told you about this one. It's worth repeating. It's our all new big game, big dance special which combines the football and the basketball, of course. It's 69 bucks. So just so you know, this is going through April, April 5th to be exact. And it's only 60, it's under 70 bucks. You get the big game betting guide, college hoops betting guide, everything we offer for the postseason, daily best bets, which comes directly to you. We do the work for you, 24 seven video access. It's awesome. Betting splits on every game. VEASAN.com slash big deal. It's VEASAN.com slash big deal. Okay, before we get to Josh, I did want to, continue the conversation Michael so I'm gonna let you run yeah. with it but again going forward on fourth there for the Jets you run with this now well well I think you have to take a step back right I think you have to take a huge step back here in the fourth quarter the Bucks get the ball with 11 15 to go in the game and they're and they're down by 10 right you know they're, they're down 20 they're, they're down uh let me see here. Fourth quarter, they were down 24 to 10. They were down 24 to uh, 14 at That's that point, right. right? Okay, so they get it with 11 minutes. They drive it down the field, and they have a fourth at eight on the, the, the Jet 19, on the Jet nine-yard line. And they send the kicker out to kick. And most people are saying, why are we doing that? Like, why are we doing that? In fact, I got a text from a friend of mine that said, would you do this? And at, at 7, what was it, 7.39 to go in the game, I said, yeah, I think because they'll win by three. So they kick the field goal. They go 24-7. They go. They make it 24 to 20, right? And most people would have said, "No, you got to go for it there. You're not going to get the ball back. You got to win the game." Three points. Three points add up at some point. Okay. So that's the backdrop. All right. So now you know, even though you're you're Robert Sly and you've got a four-point lead, you get the ball with 7:36 to go in the game. You feel like, okay, if I can get three here and milk a lot of clock off, I can win this game. You know, I at least get the game to overtime. So he starts a drive, which is magnificent, you know, and he gets it down there and he's got a third and six and he throws a short pass that stays in bounds and, and Tampa has to use, and Tampa can't use the timeout because they've already used our last timeout. So the clock ticks from 3.02, run the play, reset it, kept it in bounds. Brilliant. We're doing good here. We're doing great. Run the play, call timeout. Now we have the meeting on the sidelines. Okay. I don't know why we're meeting because we should send the field goal kicker out unless we're going to try to get them to jump off sides. But I don't know why we're having a meeting. But they have a meeting, and after the game, Salai saying we had communication problems. 
He's in the meeting. He's blaming his offensive coordinator, saying we should have handed the ball off. Now, how can't you be any more specific when you're having the meeting on the sideline? You call timeout to discuss strategy, decision-making. Like, for me, there was no decision. Go out there and kick it. If Brady drives you down the field and ties the game up with no timeouts, okay, we still have overtime. We live to fight for another day. But if, but if we tip a ball, intercept, or we sack Brady or whatever, who knows? We might. We might. Brady could get the ball back with, really, if we kick the field goal and make it, and then we kick off, Brady's going to get the ball back at 2.06 probably or 2.12 to go in the half. He'll run one play, two-minute warning, and then we go from there. Like, it made no sense. And, it, and, and the reason the Bucks won the game, which no one's going to talk about, no one will talk about, was the decision that Bruce Arians made to, kick the, to take the three and put it in his back pocket. There it is. And he counted on the air of area. He counted on Salai to screw it up, which he did. He was counting really on his defense to make a stop. He wasn't counting on them to screw it up. He wasn't counting on that they were going to get four first downs on the drive, but they did. And he played the percentages, and because he went to kick the field goal, he won the game. Chess. Now, we, we don't talk about that in analytics. We don't talk about that because everybody who's watching that game would say, no, kick, go for it on fourth and eight. That's your, you got you to tie the game up here. 28-24 winner for the Bucks. Well done, Michael Lombardi. We bring in Josh Applebaum, Market Insights. Of course, the podcast will get an update as we say hi to Josh. Good stuff. Josh, thanks for your patience. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, guys. Patrick, Michael, great to be with you. And, you know, before we get to Monday Night Football and a quick early sharp report uh, for the national championship game, Georgia-Alabama, Quick takeaway from yesterday, guys. We talked about favorites late in the year really picking up uh, some more steam here. And what you saw yesterday was not a huge favorite day, but a profitable favorite day, 8-6-1 ATS. Uh, favorites now since week 13, 43-30 against the spread, 59%. Remember, if you look through weeks 1 through 16, favorites are about 48 49%. You get to week 17, and now this is a new territory, week 18, but the same theory kind of applies here. Late in the season, tick up to around 52%. So we see these favorites uh, kind of get better as you know we know who's good, who's bad and where the motivations lie. Uh, another big takeaway for me, guys, we have a new Super Bowl favorite, uh, the Green Bay Packers here. They went from plus 450 to plus 400. They're now the favorite to win it all. Uh, and I think you're maybe everything, everyone's going to like jump on the, the Packers bandwagon. They're playing so great. But keep an eye out for the Chiefs. If you want to bet a Chiefs future, that loss yesterday to the Bengals actually may help you a little bit. They went into uh, yesterday plus 400 favorite to win the Super Bowl. Now they're plus 500. So again, buying low after a loss, you're getting a better number. Tampa Bay, same thing with them. They beat the Jets. Uh, you know, again, but didn't beat him handily. Needed a miracle there late. They were plus 600, now plus 700. So the Chiefs in Tampa Bay, to me, guys, after their loss or, you know, a close win there, you're getting a better number overall. And I think week 18, guys, is a really big Twitter week. Pay attention to what the coaches are saying. Week 18, in a way, is kind of like the preseason. The coaches are going to tell you if they're going to play anyone or not. Like, I'm looking at Green Bay, Detroit, Patrick, and Michael. You know, LaFleur has been a little bit coy. Will his guys play or not? Uh, I think if you're glued to Twitter this week, you can maybe win a couple bets just by let, listening to what the coaches are telling you. And if they're going to rest a lot of guys, I think it's the kind of week where you bet against the teams who are resting players. Well, let's talk about that one directly, Michael. That number, <laughs> you know, look ahead somewhere in the 10 and a half range for Green Bay. And now I've got a book reporting Detroit a point favorite. I can't. Detroit, yeah. Green Bay's wrapped up everything they need to wrap. 
But they say they're going to play Rodgers. They say they're going to play Adams. I don't know if that's true or not. It's indoors. It's cozy. They may, they may not. You know, I, I think we'll learn more later in the week. You, we're going to have to pay attention to all, the visa and the shows. We'll get information. What I find fascinating so far this week is on the sheet that Josh looks at, that I look at, that you look at, there is no starting quarterback listed for this games on Sunday or Saturday. No one's posted a starting quarterback because I think the books are unsure who's actually going to play quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. No, and Green, Green Bay, I, again, it's almost like the Matt Corral effect. You know, it's so, yeah. so much can happen in one play where it can just. Yeah. His x-rays came back negative, though, Patrick. I they saw did? that today. Well, that's yeah. a hell of a that's a hell of great news. And by the way, we happy co- New Year, co- happy New Year confirmation on the other end. Gallup did tear his ACL, so that is yeah. the wide receiver there with Dallas. Uh, let's let's go to the national championship game and your thoughts there, Josh. Yeah, so I want to throw this at Michael because I think you're getting a really interesting bet split here. We're seeing movement toward Georgia. Now, this is uh, maybe a bit surprising, maybe not, but kind of what you're looking at, guys. Remember, these teams played in the SEC championship. We all remember Alabama. They were a six-point dog in that one. They went outright 41-24. to Both these teams win and cover in the college football playoff semifinals. What was really intriguing to me, guys, this game opened uh, for the championship here, Georgia laying two and a half. And right off the bat, uh, public says, I don't care what the line is. You're giving me Saban as a dog. Just grab those points all day. We've actually seen Georgia move minus two and a half up to minus three. That's really meaningful because uh, if you look across at BetMGM, the the stats that they're giving us, only 34% of bets are on Georgia, but they're getting almost half the money. So even though basically Bama is becoming that trendy dog, kind of which, you know, what we saw there in that Michigan game, you're almost seeing a carbon copy with Georgia where in that Michigan game, everyone was on Michigan, but the line kind of stayed toward Georgia. This one is everyone's on Alabama. And again, you got a lot of great trends and stats with Saban as a dog. But that two and a half up to three, Michael, looks like some early money is going Georgia before the key number of three when they were getting when they were laying two and a half. You saw some Georgia sharps jump in there. You know, I know you're looking at BetMGM. I'm looking at our board here, and 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 it's different. I mean, I have 27% of the tickets are on Georgia and 60% of the money. I do think this line was six before. I do think there's still that that especially as dominant as Georgia was and as less dominant. Once the team declares how they're going to play you. I think Kirby. I think Kirby Smart's in a better position now than he was two weeks when he played them the first time, because they showed how they want to play it. Now he can react and he can adjust, and he can do different things and he can create matchups. So I do see how that because the line was six, but to me I think it would edge closer to six because Kirby knows the plan that he's going to face the second time. Nick doesn't have any more plan to add to. He went with the plan that got him the win. What's he going to adjust to? And you've got. Never. I mean, we haven't seen Stetson Bennett this confident coming out of that Michigan game. So you've got you've got a good vibe around that Georgia team, as you as you just mentioned. OK, Josh, we got a minute. So question is, are we going to land three tonight? Where what way are you leaning? Yeah. So early in the week, guys, I'll admit I jumped on Pittsburgh plus three and a half. I just thought that was a kind of the best number that you're going to get. And really surprisingly, you know, we're all glued to yesterday's slate in the NFL. But late afternoon and late night last night, a ton of money hit Pittsburgh here. Maybe it's tied to the fact that the Browns have been eliminated from the playoffs. They are going to have a couple guys out both starting safeties, Johnson and Harrison. But last night, you know, this game was, you know, Browns still laying. Uh, the look at was minus one and a half Steelers. It flipped all the way uh, to Browns laying three and a half. Then it gets down to three. Then overnight, you've seen it flip back to Steelers minus three. Uh, to me, guys, you know, uh, you do see these Monday Night Football home favorites, seven and two straight up. 
The motivation lies with the Steelers here. It's just tough to bet the Steelers at this point when they were a dog just a day ago. Yep, well, you got the good number. You got the best of it there, Josh. Thank you. Appreciate it, Market Insights. Betting Across America coming up later today with Josh and Thanks, Chris. guys. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Josh underscore insights for Twitter. When we come back, we'll officially get Michael's lean tonight. Brown Steelers closing out Monday Night Football here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now wherever you listen. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. They welcome you with the lock of the year. It's coming up tonight, Monday Night Football, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. If either team scores a touchdown, you place a $10 money line wager. Regardless of the outcome, you're going to win 200 bucks because all they have to do is score. VSIN200 is the code. VSIN200 is the bonus code when you make your first bet over at BetMGM. Enjoy football like never before and earn M Life rewards that redeem you rooms and dining at MGM Resorts nationwide. That's pretty cool. So you can get bonuses uh, and some luxury items. VSIN200 for the code. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. It's a new customer offer. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Okay, we got you. Got Yeah, I'm just looking here. Cowboys lament calls from refs after loss. Fix it. Uh, it uh, that's not why you lost, Cowboys. And I understand the calls are bad across the league, Michael, but that's not, that's not why they lost yesterday at home to Arizona. You know, I mean, look, when you get Scott Novak, I don't know why you thought it was going to be an easy game. I mean, the guy is, you know, Rick Goslin, the, the former sports writer for the Dallas Morning News, who does a great job on Twitter uh, of, hand, of talking about these officials, you know, said that the Novak crew was the second uh, most called penalized crew. I think the issue, interesting thing for us is betters is is really if Novak has a game. Now, the difference is playoff time is it's not the full crew goes with them. But Novak, if he gets a game, that means the league thinks he's done a great job. Now, maybe they don't give anybody from his crew, but I'll be darn sure. You know, I, I know who's on his crew. And, I, and come playoff time, I want to see where those guys are because they call penalties. They call them. They don't let you play the game. And the same thing with Tolbert's crew. And we saw it with, and we saw it with Sean Hockley, who leads the league in calling penalties. I mean, that crew. You know, they could determine a game. They determine the outcome. I mean, they don't call a false start. How do you not call a false start? How does somebody not say that? 
mean, the, the, the Chiefs were pointing to it. That's a, that's a huge play. Now, I know this will happen today. Andy Reid will get a phone call from the league office. We blow it. We're sorry. But what does that do for your team? <laughs> you know, the other call, the other play in that game, we didn't even talk about this. You know, that was a fumble. That, that official could put, point his finger down mm, on the ground. Yes. But that was a fumble. And McCarthy didn't have a timeout to challenge oh, it. Oh, at the end of the game there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was, a, that was an absolute fumble. Arizona fumbled. You're right. Yeah. That would have been overturned, or overturned easily. And, and I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how that happened. I mean, like, we didn't talk about Buffalo, Atlanta. I mean, they called ta- – I mean, they basically – Gave a push to the Buffalo betters with 14. If you had 14 and a half, oh, you at lost. The end there. Yeah, I know what you're that talking about. That was a, I mean, that call was just, I mean, you're really, I mean, this is football. You got to call a flag there. And then they pushed them back 15. I mean, I, I thought Buffalo for Yikes. all that, the good that they did in New England. It looks like weather affects this team. You know, I know they won by 14, and people say it was no big deal. They ran the ball. It's single ter- well, Atlanta's one of the worst teams in football. Atlanta came storming back on you. They, they, they won by 14. Josh Allen had three picks. He threw for 120 yards. He was definitely affected by the weather. Definitely. He was really affected. I mean, he's throwing fastballs out there, you know, and, he, and they can't catch him. You know, to me, I, I think we have, you know, two weeks from t- yesterday as this playoff start. Uh, we, one thing we do know, the, the weather will affect these games. I mean, we know this, you know, and, you know, Kansas City, I think, can play in weather. Cincinnati's, we'll see what they can do in weather. They couldn't run the ball against Kansas City yesterday. Thankfully, they were able to throw Hail Marys up to, to Chase because, you know, that and Burrow was sensational. You know, Burrow should be in some of this MVP conversation, too. I love Burrow. He's not, but he should be. I'm telling you, there, there, there is a discussion. Maybe the injury would lead you to Herbert, and I know you're a little bit more Herbert, but Burrow and Herbert, that's to me neck and neck. I would take a, oh, I think point, it's close. Yeah. I would take a point away from Burrow because of the big-time injury last year, but that's about it. Yeah, I, I, I would say if you told me I, had a, I would pick Burrow because I think I Burrow too. is innately tougher. I, and I don't mean Herbert's not tough. I don't mean that at all. But I just think there's something about Burrow totally that agree. the team gravitates to him. I think he's got natural leadership ability to him. And and he makes other people better around him. And, and look, you know, I, I disagree with taking Chase. I'll be the first to admit it because I think the offensive lineman's more important. And hopefully Burrow has a 12-year career behind a really bad line. But, you know, Chase has been so dynamic, especially in a league where if you're covered, you're open, because that's really what it is. If you're covered, you're open. Because when you can have a chance to get the jump ball out of the air and make a play like that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's spectacular. And, and really, on all those plays – I mean, Chase literally, I mean, the screen, the, 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 the zone play that he ran for the touchdown, he was in between. They couldn't catch him. He showed his speed. But they did a good job of covering him. They just didn't do a good job of playing the ball in the air. That was the, the big thing about Chase was it ex, ex, exceptional speed. In college, it was, was that going to translate to the pros? It has. That's the one thing that, the, that those were wondering about Chase. Was it going to be exemplary speed? And it, it turns out it is. He's running away from, it really is. He's running away from and, NFL defenders. And I think for us as viewers, we have to understand when, when the, he has rare, rare balance, okay? It, it, it's really it's the most important quality defensive backs have to have, and it's the most important quality great receivers have is balance. And his ability to jump off one leg mm-hmm. or two to get in the air and be in balance to catch the ball is 
sensational. It's remarkable. Hopkins has it. Hopkins is never open. I mean, really, unless it's zone, Hopkins is never open. He's always covered, but he always catches the ball, and he always comes away with it Yep. because he has this unique balance and strong, strong hands, and this is what he has. And I just think, to me, Andy Reid has to be sick watching that tape, and Spagnola should be as sick as anyone. It's like, at what point did we high-low this guy? Like, in the old days when Randy Moss was Randy Moss and he could outrun everybody, you could never play Randy Moss in and out. Because if, if you took Randy Moss and he went left, I got him. And if he went right, you got him, right? If he went straight, we both don't have him because he's faster than both of us. So you had a high-low Randy Moss. You had to have somebody jam him at the line if they could. And then you had somebody play on top of him. This is the same thing with Chase. And force the ball to Tyler Board. Force the ball to hit. If Higgins beats you in one-on-one coverage, we'll live with it. You know, we'll live with it. If, if Boyd beats you, we'll live with it. But – you're giving Burrow a chance to get the ball out of his hand too quickly when you give up when you, when you have one-on-one coverage because where do you think he was throwing the ball? By the way, there was one more I wanted to ask you about, and I wrote it in my notes, and I can't believe I haven't gotten to it. I know Judge is safe with the Giants. After that 11-minute rant, I don't think he should be wow. because that was odd. That was peculiar. And that's doth protest too much. I mean, if you're going – like, he sounded weird, man. He did. He sounded very odd. He did. He sounded, he sounded desperate. desperate. He sounded like a man Insecure. That, he sounded like a man that didn't know how to fix the problem. And I think that's true. I don't know if Joe knows how to fix this problem. This problem's way bigger than Joe. What they need in New York is not Joe saying everything's fine, that players are calling, wanting to come back. Okay. That's, not, that's, that's just completely not true. Because I was told this week there's a lot of dissension within that locker room from a reliable source. But let's say that's not true. Let's say they're all gung-ho. They're playing like they're not, right? I mean, the, the, since he's been told he's coming back, the team has fell apart. Laid now, down. part of that is because of Glennon, all that. But here's the bigger issue. They need an intervention in New York. They need an intervention. John Mara needs an intervention. Because John Mara doesn't know how to fix the problem. This is, you have a 27% winning percentage over the last 80 games. You need an intervention. You need somebody to come in and fix your franchise because you can't do it. You can't do it. And so, really, for all that Joe's talking about and the fans want to fire Joe and do all that, that's great. He can't fix the problem. No one, John Mara doesn't even know how to fix the problem. You can fire Gettleman. Gettleman will be fired. Gettleman will be back in some, some he'll be down in, down in Florida at the early bird special there in Sarasota. He'll be fine. I mean, you know, throw him to the curb. Who cares? It's not going to, it's like throwing a deck chair off the Titanic. Isn't that going to matter? Uh, it just came you know Gettleman goes to the early bird special. Oh, you know damn well he does. Don't he, laugh at that. No, he's in bed before you and I. You know damn well. You know I told my I, the one thing I did tell my accountant when I when I'm done the the last thing I'm doing is going to the early bird. You just make sure I have enough money that I don't have to do that. <laughs> it just came across as insecure. Eleven minutes of ranting. It was. Of, it was tough. The tough guy talk. You got to chill with the tough guy stuff. My God, you're not selling that to anybody. Who's buying that? Your team just lost to Matt Nagy by thirty some points. Laid down. Matt Nagy. Yeah, laid down. It was over. Hey, Patrick, that game was over in the first quarter. 100%. Once they got to fourteen, you knew the Giants weren't going to score any. And then who signed Mike Glennon? Like, I want to know who signed off on that. Early bird. And then how do, you not, how do you not sign somebody to come in and replace them? Like anybody. You mean there's nobody on the street that could replace? Josh Johnson goes into Baltimore and plays way better than Glennon did. Why not sign him? 
I heard you, Matt Santos. What do you got? I'm going to break. I two, got you're two, done with me. I know. Two, two and a half, three. Pittsburgh two and a half or Cleveland three. What do you got? I'll take Cleveland in the three, although I love Pittsburgh at three and a half. You know that yesterday. I'm with Will Hill. I'll yeah, probably well, just middle this thing. hundred percent. Look at you with the middle talk. Michael Lombardi, he's just, look at him talking Dominic middle. Dominic taught me that. <laughs> Dominic taught King me that. Dominic. Great job. Enjoy your Monday. Odds Thanks, on Patrick. coming up Bye-bye. next here on the Esports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.